Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware as never before of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news. So our journalists and all who work in the media are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are, of course, here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this the 12th Sunday after Trinity.
wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us. We hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love, and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders, Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. God make speed to save us.
The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at the 14th verse. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles, and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honour me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert, to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honoured me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins, thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance, let us plead together, declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. Thy first father hath sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. Yet now hear, O Jacob my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessings upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. This is the word of the Lord.
The New Testament lesson is written in the Gospel according to John, chapter 5, beginning at the 30th verse. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men. But I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe, which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? This is the word of the Lord.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Ministers with righteousness. O Lord, save thy people. Give peace in our time, O Lord. O God, may clean our hearts within us. Almighty and everlasting God, 
who art always more ready to hear than we to pray, and art one to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of thy mercy, forgiving, forgiving us those things whereof our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Father, may you put your words upon my lips. This is a rather dense passage of scripture and it takes some reading and rereading. I sometimes think that it is the Bible that reads us rather than we reading it if we allow it to. When you read a novel or most other books really, there's no way you want to go back and read them again. If you did read them again, you probably wouldn't find anything new. But the Bible is different. It has treasures to offer us every single time we read it, if we read it well and right and attentively. This reading from the Gospel of John begins with a familiar issue. How do we know that Jesus is who he said he was? Indeed, the question can be even broader than this. How do we know that Jesus existed at all? I was having a cup of tea last week with some people I've just got to know. They told me that they didn't believe in God because there was no evidence at all for his existence. It is a sweeping statement, of course, and it needs a good deal of faith to sustain it. But it is a common idea and one we need to wrestle with. Jesus begins this passage by saying that he can be relied upon because there are witnesses to the truth of who he said he was. Interestingly, I think that we can be as certain as possible that Jesus did exist, possibly alone amongst ancient figures of history. There are reference to him in contemporary texts. But the best evidence we have for him, I think, is the way that his followers behaved. There was nothing in it for them to believe that he was God. In fact, quite the opposite. Their belief in him and who he was probably cost them their lives. It did not ring, bring riches or acclaim. There was nothing in it for them. The only reason to do it was because they knew it was true. Indeed, we see that Jesus' death upon the cross and resurrection transformed them from being a rather lukewarm and incompetent bunch into lions of the faith. They saw something that they knew was true and that something was Jesus. Also, they didn't travel far from home. If you were setting up a new religion or a cult based on a lie, you would not set up in the place where you could be easily disproved. Indeed, they ministered and lived in the areas in which they'd always lived and they did that because they knew that people also knew that Jesus was who he said he was. They weren't going to be called out for a lie in relation to the resurrection. And so to my second point, this reading helps us to understand how to read the Bible. Now I grew up in a house without a Bible and I always thought it would be a kind of dusty and outdated document. I used to say, how can you base everything on just one book when there are so many millions of other great books out there? But now I think that the Bible truly is the great word of life. It isn't a manifesto, it isn't a manual, 
And Jesus doesn't set out a set of truth propositions or strong arm us into believing. Instead, it's the story of God and the story of people and families responding to God. And what it has above all else, and you must watch out for this and you'll really notice it when you think about it, is that it has the ring of truth. In the second part of this reading, Jesus criticises the great contemporary scholars of the word. These are the people who spent a lifetime understanding the minute details of Jewish law. They could quote scripture, chapter and verse. And you may well have met people, as I have, who are just like this today. They could tell you exactly how and where to find a quote to support their own arguments. Personally, I refuse to get involved in what I call Bible tennis. I will not knock a Bible reading over to you to prove my point, to knock back your argument. When we read this part of the scripture, it's pretty confronting in its way. Jesus said that the Pharisees, these are the experts in the law, have made their knowledge and brilliance of understanding scripture into a kind of idolatry. He points out that they have elevated their understanding and their learning at the expense of encountering the flesh and blood God who shines out of the pages of this extraordinary book and was there before them. Jesus' charge against his contemporaries is they've been looking at the right book but reading it in the wrong way. And it's a very important corrective. Those of us who spend a great deal of time writing our sermons, reading books, can become very confident that our ideas are the only ideas. We can become absorbed in what we have and exhilarated at the challenge of finding new and novel readings of the text. Now, of course, God wants the very best minds to be working on the job of studying the Bible but it's possible to allow the study of the text and the interpretations of the text to become a substitute for allowing the text to bring us into the presence of the living God, his actions, what he did and what he is doing. It's so easy and tempting to know about the Bible and the Messiah and not to know the Messiah himself in person. It's a very important corrective for our academic institutions and seminaries, of course. But we don't need to know everything in detail and be able to quote every Bible verse in order to be a true believer. And that's a comfort to me, as I have a very, very bad memory for references. I studied for ordination at Wycliffe Hall, Oxford. It was a conservative evangelical institution, an institution with an extraordinary history. And I must say that the Bible teaching was utterly brilliant. It's the thing that has lived with me most. However, we were very, very clear that just knowing the Bible is not having a faith. There is only one proper way to read the Bible, and that's to read it as pointing to Jesus. Yes, it's puzzling at times. Yes, it's difficult and we'll need to wrestle with it. 
but the function of the scriptures is not to give life in themselves, but to point to him who can. In verse 34, you may notice that Jesus says this, that the purpose of his words are that you may be saved. That you may be saved. And before I became a Christian, this was a very challenging idea. It still is. And it takes a change in worldview to know that we actually need to be saved. And for me, it was a move from a comfortable, complacent sense that all is okay with me and us and our world to knowing that it isn't, but there's an answer to the conundrum of sin and wrongness and all that holds us back from being the people we're called to be. It is also very, very beautiful, a sense, a tremendous sense that God is love. He loves us. He wants to save us. He can and he will. Yes, we may well come across opposition, but what we notice is that Jesus doesn't cram his opinions down other people's throats. He talks the way he does because he loves men and women and his voice is there to echo down the centuries with the accent of yearning love. Yes, his voice, his eyes may flash fire, but the flame is the flame of love. Finally, I notice that Jesus warns there be many imposters. Imposters who claim to have the answer to life, to being happy. And the imposters today, I believe, are all the things that tempt us to believe that having things and owning things are the secret of happiness. I grew up in a house without a Bible. I'm very glad that I have one now. And I, for one, want to go back and read it again. Amen.
Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence today, worship you, and enjoy your love and peace. We pray today for those parts of the world that are troubled and in difficulty. We pray for Pakistan and Ukraine in particular, and ask that you would bring resources and peace and justice in those places. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those going back to school, for teachers, support staff and children. We thank you for the summer holiday and we ask that the teachers would be feeling extremely refreshed and that this would be a great term in terms of them helping youngsters to learn and to stay safe. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for this great city of ours. We pray for those who are tourists here, those who are new, those who are refugees, those who are making their home here for the first time. We pray that they would be welcome, that they would be encouraged and that all their dreams and plans will come to fruition as they come to this extraordinary place. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for this church. We pray for the clergy and all the staff and people who volunteer. We pray for those who come. We pray for those who come into this beautiful space and just sit quietly and enjoy your presence. We pray favour upon St Bride's and we thank you for its ongoing ministry. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we lift up to you the names of those who we are concerned about and worried for, our friends and our families, those who need your help. We ask that you would be with them, that you would guard them, that you would help their hearts to be well, that you would guard their minds and their bodies. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray that you would fill us full of peace and love, that you would help us know your purpose for us and our lives, that you would help us to be the people you have called us to be. Merciful Father, accept these, these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
peace of God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.